carrot dick. <laughs> I killed Jeff. <laughs> carrot dick. What can you do about carrot dick? Ask your doctor about carrot dick. <laughs> One of the side effects of Lynn Jess is carrot dick. <laughs> Ask your doctor if carrot dick is right for you. It's Barely in Topic, a podcast for Boston Bruins fans by Boston Bruins fans. Hey, it's Barely in Topic, episode 306. Yes? 306? 305? Five. 304? Five, five. 302? 301? 303 is the one I edited, so this is 305. The 305, wherever that is. Um, okay. <laughs> it's episode 305. I don't know how to count, but I do know how to count Beyond Potato. <laughs> and apparently so does Dustin Brown now. God damn it. Um. (laughs) (laughs) So disappointing. I know. I was really hoping that that was about as far as he could count. But then he showed He looks like someone that can only count a potato. Like, he he legitimately looks like he, you know, should, like, be entitled to, like, special parking spaces and such. Possibly have a helper monkey. Okay, okay, helper monkey. Okay, okay, that sounds fine. Yes. Um, yeah, he, he does not look like a a bright guy. Let me just put it that way. Um, but anyway, yes. Uh, so it's episode 305. I almost said 306 again uh, because, uh, well, you know what? I got to tell you, when the Bruins have four or five days in between games, it feels like a whole year has elapsed in between. So no wonder why I'm confused, is what I'm saying. Plus, I've had a couple of beers, so. It was a weird week. And, like, had a lot of games, all sorts of California coming through town, a lot of facial hair. Oh, yes. Um, We should probably say that Jeff and Tim are here today. What up? Yo. Yep. Uh, And they also have facial hair. I do not. But anyway, yeah, so, weird schedule. Two games: uh, San Jose and uh, the Kings, and they were such rip roaring, exciting games. Them both were they not? I had a fear about the San Jose game that maybe it might be a little bit of a trap game because San Jose has been having kind of a peaks and valley kind of season. It sounds it's... oddly familiar. Yes, but. <laughs> You know how it is. It's like a team comes in and maybe they might be on the downward trend. And then the Bruins, well, they lay a, an hey, egg. right their season. <laughs> you never want to be a team's fixer game. Right. But, you know, that game on Thursday was great. It was great because we won. And, you know, I want to point out this one really great thing. And, and I'll let 
Jeff and Tim continue on from this. One thing that I think we need to take away from that game is we did not allow the Sharks to score an even strength goal. This is true. Their only goal was a was a power play goal, and it was a, a sloppy mess of a scene to make it ha- made it happen too. Sean Corrali. Yeah, yeah. He's he's had a rough couple games. He um, really you know, screwed that up. Yep. <laughs> oh, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> he Corrali screwed that up. <laughs> yep. Ah. Uh, Oh, Tim. Welcome back, folks. <laughs> I thought we missed you last week because we had no one to say word properly, you know, and then Jeff's put some stealthy, like, little pun in there and whatever. I'm like, oh, okay. And then, but you come back and we're like <laughs> two or three minutes in and you're just like, laying out the puns. I mean, I know what I'm useful for. Dan Hyman scored his first two NHL goals in that in that game against uh, San Jose. He did. And the first one of them was a really beautiful shorty. Mm-hmm. Martin Jones had no had no hope. <laughs> was that the one that rebounded off of Martin Jones, and then he was like right there to just stick it in? I believe so. No, yeah. I think both of the goals were kind of like that or something. But you know, oh yeah, they were they were they were good. He had a he had himself a game, and it means that now he's at five goal five good. Five points in five games, because he's also had assists from his previous call-up. Okay, no, no. The first one was, Backus, like, passed it to him, I think, and then he, he put it in. And the second one was a re- rebound that Martin Jones didn't control well, and Heinen yeah. did, so. But it was some, really, the kid had himself a nice game. He looked strong out there. And given the way it is looking right now, I can't imagine that he's going back down anytime soon. Unless no, this is game. This is game falls off. But he was strong in his previous call up during the during the the other road trip, and then you know get sent back down briefly. Then called right back up. It's like okay, I'm back now. Goals done. Yeah, yes, it was very exciting. I had no idea that that was his first NHL goal, even though I've seen him for two seasons. Or yeah, I think he's definitely earned uh, a a longer leash now to stay up. I mean, I think you'd have to put together a pretty large string of crap before he's sent down again. Well, that was just it. The skill was always there. It's just he wasn't physically ready last year. You know, people talked up, talked really up and were excited he was going to walk right in. It just wasn't there yet, right? Just like if Bjork had signed a year earlier, he wouldn't have been ready last fall either. Now I'll point out this also means that we may well have um, three of our five picks from the 2013, um, uh, uh, no, 2014, 2014 draft. Draft year. Which draft year was that? Fuck. Yeah, 2014. On the roster. In uh, Pasta, Bjork, and Heinen. Like, that draft is just absolutely fucking dope. Because, of course, Ryan Donato is looking like the real deal these days, too, right? So. Yeah, but he's in Harvard, so he needs to stay. You get a degree from Harvard. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. I know. I know. But we're, we're, we're not in a rush there, right? You know? You got, you got, you know, it's pretty clear that Donato and then, like, you know, JFK and Frederick are earmarked as our future down the middle. We're not there yet. We don't need we don't need more than one or two of them at a time right now anyway, right? So. Oh, look at how cute David Pasternak looked. Oh. He hasn't looked that cute since. David Pasternak looks so excited. He is not a good-looking kid. <laughs> oh, he's goofy and that's cute. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ryan Donato looks 12. Is that a recent picture you're looking at, or one when he was actually 12? 
2016. Okay, yeah, that checks out. Yeah. Well, oh yeah, he should be graduating in this next year, right? Well, no, he he he, he um uh, he had a year where he played in the um uh, in the USHL after his draft, so he's actually only a junior. Oh damn. So hypothetically, he could. And it's, I don't think it's going to happen because, again, he's a local boy. He's, he's, you know, his dad's currently the coach. Why I suspect he'll stay for a senior, and it's Harvard. But he um, uh, could leave the NCAA this year and go free agent by not signing with the Bruins because it's, it'll be his draft plus four year. All right, so it looks like the 2014 draft was good. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, because, you know, I mean, Johansson's looked solid since he came across the pond and, um, uh, and, and Donato's looked good. So that those are the only two that aren't currently on the, aren't at the roster as of, as of this moment. So. Right. Right. I mean, uh, Johansson's done in Providence, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so. he's pretty far down the d- defense depth chart, but that doesn't mean much, right? So. No, it doesn't with the way that defensive injuries happen. Exactly. So, you know, it, you never know uh, how these things will shake out. I just, I'm sorry. I had to look at this draft thing for a little bit. And it was 2014. <laughs> well, I mean, I, um, you know what? It's like I, I knew of the draft, but I hadn't really paid attention to the draft that much because that's not my forte, I think we'll say. Uh, so I had to re-look at it and, and went, oh my God, it's a baby. Oh yeah, she's here. She just woke up from a nap. Hi, right, folks. I'm uh, uh, Uncle Tim here. Became a, a godfather today, so um, uh, I, I assure you all, he'll be making you plenty of offers that you can't refuse. Oh, I absolutely will. <laughs> oh, that should be this week's thing. It should be like, hey, make Godfather Timmy an offer he cannot refuse. That's not how that works. That's backwards. Oh, I don't know. I do. I look like I know that stuff. Don't get me wrong, I hate that movie. I, I find it almost unwatchable, but yeah. <laughs> I did not watch that movie for the longest time, even though my dad loved it. Never watched it for the longest time because I did not want to think of Italian-Americans as that way. How, how noble of you. Hey, I was a liberal who grew up in a Republican household. What can I say? I'm familiar with the experience. Yeah, unrelated note also, Godfather 2 is supposedly this masterpiece. No, no. no. There's nothing good about Godfather Two. Everyone that says it's this masterpiece is wrong. Also, three. This well, yeah. Every, everyone knows Godfather Three is bad. Though. That's 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 a that's a pretty widely held belief. Yeah, Winona Ryder really steered clear of that. Luckily, you know, just let Francis Ford Coppola, you know, cast his kid in it instead. I know, and then she became a director because she's not much of an actress. No, no. <laughs> Aww. She's got the hiccups. Anyway. So, the Sharks game. Good on Danton Heinen. Welcome to the show, kid. But holy fuck, that was a boring game. But you know what? I was okay with that. I was okay with that because they won. Yes, agreed. And uh, Danton Heinen, I, uh, I still can't get over the fact that he just looks like my ex-boyfriend so much. I just, um, I, I it's can't. Just, it's just what it is. That's not going to change. I know. Likely. I know. I wish I could give him some cosmetic surgery so he could look a little bit different. <laughs> <laughs> Would know. it help or hurt if he grew a beard? Does that kid look like someone that can grow a beard? If you looked at a picture of him, he does not look like some picture of someone oh. that can grow a beard. Even if it's patchy. 
I mean, that's true. You do it. No. <laughs> if the theory is correct that it is my ex-boyfriend's son somehow or another, I don't know how that happened. Well, it wouldn't have been mine. And I don't think we were dating at the time that he was born. But anyway, if if my ex-boyfriend fooled around on me and stuff, there's no way that kid's growing a beard. No way. It's just not in the genes at all. What if the mother... W- Never mind. <laughs> I'm sure the mother had a fine and lovely beard. Maybe maybe he found Beard Woman at the carnival and had a kid. And out popped Din Heinen hockey great. There was a period of time we were broken up. Did he go to um, Langley, B.C. during that time? No, because even though we were broken up, we spent like every night together. Not in that way. Just like we hung out a lot. So he's probably not Din Heinen's father. Probably not. I thought Dayton Heinen was born in the U.S. No, no, he's Canadian. He's from B.C. We drafted him out of the B.C.H.L., so that's junior. We drafted him out junior A in, in um, uh, Alberta, you know, in B.C.H.L., British Columbia, before he went to um, uh, Denver. All right, so it's probably not, but I wish, Dayton Heinen, could you stop looking like my ex-boyfriend, Brad, please? Thank you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How you're supposed to go on from that is to say... Um, so we played another boring game this week. Right. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, we did. I gotta tell you, I watched the replay last night because I had to go look at pumpkins. Um, as one does. Do. As, right? Uh, I had to go look at and take a lot of pictures of pumpkins. And I have to say, I came back and I watched the replay at 12, which explains why I'm so tired. And... Man, there was a whole lot of nothing going on for two periods there. Well, that was just it. Like, the entire second, the Bros didn't take any shots. Most of the third, the Kings didn't take any shots. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I listened to the last half of the third period on the radio, so I could do that. That's such boring radio. (laughs) Especially with, you know, especially with Gosher in in, in Vegas now. (laughs) Well, I will say that Gus Surratt is better than I thought he was. And now I understand why Ryan Johnston didn't get the job. I I get it. There's a certain cadence and a way that you fill the air when nothing is happening. Okay. That Gosher was really good at. I really like Gosher. I miss Gosher. Um, I'm glad that he's succeeding in Vegas and that it's exciting. I'm really happy about all that. Do they have okay chemistry with Bob Beers like Gosher did? Because that was one of the big things, too, is they had great on-air chemistry. (laughs) It's going to take a while. It's going to take a while for that to develop. You know what I mean? Uh, And if it's not just magic right off the bat, it's going to take a while to develop, obviously. I hope it doesn't take too long, though, because, I mean, I know it's a different sport, but the Red Sox replaced their... Don Orsillo about two years ago now, and Dave O'Brien and Jerry Remy still don't really have chemistry two years later. So I really hope it doesn't take long. I remember people were very upset about that. Why did that happen? Because, well, because fuck Red Sox ownership. Because Nesson is owned primarily by Red Sox ownership, and ratings were down because the Red Sox sucked, and they were losing, and they had to blame it on someone. So they blamed it on Orsillo, and he was like, oh. What's really interesting is that there are voices that are great at very specific sports. You know what I mean? Orsillo is good at, at baseball because you want a guy who's just kind of even, who, who who puts, he didn't put a lot of inflection in it, but it's like baseball, like watching baseball, you have to be really easy, even going, like easygoing and like even to, to watch that. It's 
there's not a there there are moments of excitement, but there's just like you know, like Sean McDonough has a good baseball voice, but he's terrible. He's terrible at, at football. He just, is, but yes, when he was on UPN thirty eight for the Red Sox, oh. That's yeah. my childhood right there. Yeah, and it's like um, what you need for hockey on the radio is you need to have somebody who adequately describes what's going on on the ice and fills the air when things aren't happening because, like, you know, that that time where they had to put time back on the clock, and we'll get to that in a minute, um, that you have to fill that space. And unfortunately, they didn't fill the space on the radio. Oh. It, it was like, so it was like sitting there, and I'm like, we're dying. We're dying. They didn't properly fill the space. Gosher, I think, could have filled that space a little bit more. Uh, it's not necessarily up to Beers to do that, you know? Um, Beers is there to be led along. But on the other hand, you know, when nothing, when legitimately nothing's happening, that is when the color is supposed to actually do things. We're not criticizing Bob Beers here, okay? <laughs> I like Bob Beers. I, I, I also like Bob Beers. I'm just saying I don't... He's our people! Beers. He's defensemen. Okay. See, you get it. Anyway, I do. anyway, I, you know, so that was the that was the problem in the broadcast last night. But when Johnston was doing it, he did a really good job. But like, there were just moments where he was, you could like hear the the gears working. You know what I mean? So what you're thinking is he'd be probably better on a TV play by play than than radio. Yeah, and I've seen him do like play by play on TV for like Merrimack. Mm-hmm. So I thought he would be really good, but you know it's a it's a little bit different. But anyway, I'm not here to mourn the fact that Ryan Johnston didn't get the job. And by the way, the AT and T hockey show is now on a podcast, so you Yay! can listen to it. Woo! They have hags on more often than than anyone should, but you know it's what it is. But you've got like uh, Billy Jaffe, and uh, you've got the 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 radio crew. I mean, they're always with the team, you know. So that makes up for the small amount of hags that's on there. I mean, any hags is too much hags, but you know. Oh, but he's hags. good at his job, Brosif. He's been going out of his way to be so bad at his job lately. It's kind of hilarious. Like that story. Was it a couple weeks ago? When Rask comes back, if Hudobin's still playing well, should they keep Rask on the bench? There's this news that, 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 that McIntyre is an emergency call-up right now. I, I, I don't wish ill on Dobby, but I kind of half hope that Dobby's on waivers tomorrow just to like you know make Hags look like the tool bag he is. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's and he got in an argument over someone. He was like, "I don't actually believe this." It's like you wrote it. Then why the fuck did you write it? My the thing that fucking killed me this week is I read that he said that um, he thinks that his work is deep and nuanced. What? <laughs> what? Joe, Joe, Joe Haggerty? <laughs> Joe, I hate to break to you, you're not deep and nuanced if you were a five year old, let alone. Joe, the only good thing I will say about your hockey recording is you know more about the game than Felger. Right, which isn't saying much. Oh, Spelger doesn't know, wouldn't know the game if like the entire team started beating on them with their sticks. <laughs> Look, you know what? I appreciate Felger for like talking about hockey. It's not easy. It doesn't get. Ha- it doesn't happen on the other shows on E. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> on 98.5 the Sports Hub. It doesn't really happen. So it's like I appreciate that he wants to talk about hockey. And when I was younger in my my hockey fandom. I really appreciated it because, well, quite frankly, the Bruins were 
seemingly more solid. They were more, they were less far removed from the um, the 2011 team than they are now. So it's like. So he, he, yeah, he wouldn't need to sound so unhinged as he does now sometimes. <laughs> but now I can't fucking listen to him about that because it's like, it's like, oh my God, are we watching the same game? We're not watching the same game. It, it, we can't possibly be because the things that you're saying are just so stupid. Like my my knowledge has grown over time, and his has not. And and he is one of those guys. He hated Claude. He hates the kids. He hates Chara. It's Rask. He hates Krug. <laughs> he hates everybody. You know what I mean? The only person who gets a pass is Bergeron, and now he's not getting a pass because he's thirty two years old. You know what I mean? So it's like. I can't listen to him. But what really turned me off from Felger, and I had said this before in another podcast, but I, I episode, and I, I, I pulled it out because I, I wasn't sure when I, what, if I wanted to put this in there. Felger is so fucking misogynistic that I just can't do it anymore. I just can't. You know, he's, I'm not even going to address that one. I have no comment because I agree with you completely there. The biggest problem with Felger isn't that he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. It's that way, way too much of this fan base listens to him and thinks he knows what he's talking about. And it's the same problem Hags has. Right. They have narratives that they decide they want to disseminate. And because they have two of the hot, largest and most high, the highest profile um, uh, um, podiums, that what they say becomes the becomes the conventional wisdom among a lot of this fan base, and it's part of why this fan base is so impossible to deal with. Like we only interact with a different kind of intractable. But the majority are the, the Felger listeners. I would think that a lot of people who listen to us probably and thank you, listeners. We really appreciate you. I I want to say that the people who listen to us have a nerdist bent. I would think so. I don't think anyone else could possibly stand us. Yeah, because we go off on tangents and we talk about nerdy shit and we have this sci-fi universe that we're existing in because um, hockey players aren't intrinsically that interesting or what they show us isn't that interesting, like, of their personal lives. So we make up lives for them and it's kind of fun and vibrant, you know. Um, By the way, I just want to float this out there. I was thinking about this week. How I wonder how people would like it if we made a um, shirzy a t-shirt where it would have our front logo and on the back it would have the number 68 and it would say t t d w i'm down time traveling so listeners dick let us know let us know listeners if you want time traveling dick wizard jerseys <laughs> i mean you know if if Anders Bjork, like, blows up or something, we could totally have a number 10. It could be, like, Hockey Vampire! Um, but anyway, I was getting back to the thing at hand. Look, I get it. Media has a job. Uh, Haggerty will come out with some news, but then he likes to package that in a way that comes out as uh, fitting his narrative about the school. Okay, about, uh, about the school. What was I saying? Uh, it, a narrative that, that fits this uh, this hockey team in some way, however he wants it to. Um, when was the last time he broke something, though? So what's he actually really doing, you know? you got you, It's mostly Ty or, or Matt Kalman breaking things most of the time. I'm breaking Bruins news most of the time, not Hags. You know, it's very interesting because... 
Ty Anderson wrote something last night that when we talk about the Kings game, I'd like to talk about that. It's I'm pretty sure the last time that Haggerty broke something, it was in his kitchen when he dropped a cup or something. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> I don't I don't want to crap all over Hags, but he's not he is not as good as he thinks he is. And the fact that he tries to appear in quotations humble just bugs the shit yeah, out of me. The, the fact that he legitimately thinks he's the best sports writer in the world, I think is the problem. Yeah, he's he's not. You know who the best sports writer in the world was? David Haberstram. Go on. Uh, okay, he is a, a guy who wrote. Uh, he he died like uh, I think the middle of the last decade, and um, he was a a, a real like uh, he was a newspaper guy who decided to take a subject and write about it separately in a book. And he wrote about Bill Belichick in Education of the Coach. Um, really great book. He put together. Bill Belichick's whole life in a way that just seemed meaningful, you know, beyond like, it, it, we're not even talking about like his personal life. We're talking about the life he has had as a coach. And it was just like, you're reading it. It was just so warm and it was just so descriptive. And it was just, it, it was like literature. It was like fucking literature. Very few people write like that. Very few. And he did. So if you want to say you're the best sports writer, you have a very high bar. The thing that stinks, too, is a lot of the Boston sports writers, not just for the Bruins, like Dan Shaughnessy and them, they started out like in their career where they were actually pretty good. And then they just get so cynical and kind of almost beat down by Boston themselves. And then they just... You mean KPD? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's pretty sad. You know, I never really thought about it that way, Tim, but I, I can see your point. Which sort of has me fear for the fear for the future of Fluto, who is Fluto's obviously the, the best one of the best writing anywhere in hockey right now, actually. <laughs> and and nationally considered so, no less. <laughs> I have his book downstairs, the, the book that he had compiled of various writings about uh, Boston Bruins facts and stuff. You know, it's it's not a thin volume. It's it's a pretty good size. Uh, so I haven't read it yet. I of course I bought it for my husband for Christmas last year, and he's barely touched it. So I will read it. Is what I'm saying. It's on my list of reading. And I think that Fluto, honestly, one of the things that's really great about him is that he retains other interests and tries to and, and ties that into what he does. So while I might not have agreed with him on at least one of the restaurant choices he chose in Denver, I respect that he's like, hey, you know, if you're going out on the road and stuff, these are the places you want to try. Fluto has like this interest in sports, in, in, in you know, in, in hockey. And he has this, uh, this other parallel interest that he's trying to get people to realize that you can be a well-rounded person. Now, I'm sure that Fluto, Fluto has a large variety of things that he's very interested in but you know it's good for him to talk about food that's another one of his passions right yeah so i think that's one of the things that keeps him from being cynical is my point okay. you know what i mean because he's like he's like 
ah, there's this, but there's this other thing that I've, I've noticed along the way. This is another interest of mine. And because I travel a lot, this is something that you might be interested in as well. I, I'm interested in Fluto because he presents this other side of himself. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't need that from everybody, but I like that. Oh. Yeah, I, I definitely get that. It's nice. Yeah, I mean, it may not be your thing, but read about it. Just just read it. Who cares, right? It, it costs you nothing to read it. Just a few moments of your time. That's it. You know, but so what I'm saying is like, you know, he, he realizes what it is. And then he's like, he's got this other thing. And it's great. It's like you got others that are excellent who I think just disassociate themselves so much that maybe that's how they're not going to become cynical. I'm thinking of Emily Benjamin, who's only ever seemed excited while writing about Carl Soderbergh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Carl. You know, there was this one moment where he was sitting in the box in Colorado when we went to that game where I I think I took a picture of him and he looked just as blank as he always has. Like, and they had, um, oh God, I forgot to tell you this last week. In Colorado, they put the spotlight on you if you're the opposing team and you go to the box. It is fucking annoying. (laughs) I mean, I can see why they do it. It's like, it's a pretty clever move, but... uh... But like, but like, but Emily, for example, you know, you know, a game she's covering, someone scores, she just their name, period. I, I love Tweet, it, right? Oh yeah, but but like, but like, um, a couple years ago, you know, she's covering training camp, or the the games before training camp, you know, the captains' practices and so forth, mm-hmm. and like, excitedly tweets with an exclamation mark, Carl's here. Um, I don't even think Carl Soderberg was ever that excited about Carl Soderberg. I, the only thing he ever got excited about was. But like the only thing Carl Soderberg was ever excited about was you know hanging out with his BFF Louis Erickson and going to the, having their herring parties or whatever the Swedes do when they get together. Hey, they would go out for a nice dinner and then Carl would tell him about the cultural experience that he had and Louis would look blankly at him. Maybe um, that's why the two of them were such good friends. It's not that they were Swedes; it's that they were both just emotionless. You know, I actually on <laughs> behind the B, I really liked Carl. When he would talk about the books he was reading, or he's like, "Oh yes, I went, I went out to see some art this weekend," and it's like, "Carl's so cultural, I love him." You know what I mean? But he is kind of emotionally blank and stuff. I mean, I think that's kind of the hockey player thing, and then yeah. Swede and whatever. But Car- uh, but Louis, nothing, nothing going on. Um, I felt kind of sad for Carl and Louis because Louis didn't have a lot going on. Um, that he wanted to talk about on camera, at least. He might have this vivid life that he just didn't want to talk about. You know, I know he's got kids and stuff, and Carl didn't have kids and whatever. I don't know. But Carl's interesting because it's like he he has this side of him that you know about. Like, he's got this rich cultural life, and then it's like blank. And I think that's person for him. I think that might be legitimately his personality rather than a lot of these other guys, you know, deliberately being uninteresting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is too bad because they, he is clearly a very fascinating, interesting dude. But. I would hang out with Carl and I would want to know what he thinks about things. And I'm sure that after a time, he would tell me very vividly what he thinks about, I don't know, whatever painting. But I think a lot of, for a long time, you have to put up with a lot of answers that are literally Carl Shrug. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I think I can get him to be on my side really quickly. I've got charm and pizzazz and personality. I Come on. I do. I don't need you to tell me that. I have it. You do. My great niece, when she had, uh, she got this one t-shirt 
that my 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 sister-in-law actually bought for her and it said when i grow up i want to be as charming and as sophisticated as my aunt that meant me oh i am charming and sophisticated damn it i can't speak to the sophisticated but you are definitely charming <gasps> what i am sophisticated up the ass clearly by that statement <laughs> Ah, carrot dick. <laughs> <laughs> I got you to say it! Yes! <laughs> Let's talk about LA. Okay, so that game, um... I've watched, paint, I've watched Paint Dread that was legitimately more exciting than most of that game. And the refing was awful. Yes. Adrian uh, Kempe um, uh, pretty unambiguously boarded the ever-loving fuck out of Riley Nash. And there was no penalty called. Was that when Nash went off the ice, like, holding his his cheek? Yeah. Okay. That yep. sucked. And then, for other things, you know, Berge got called for a phantom slashing call. It was kind of bullshit as well. Ooh, it's it October! Yeah. Phantom, <laughs> and then, then there's the, the end of the game. The end of the game is the part that is the most interesting to talk about. It's the only thing about that game at all. <laughs> why did they put 0.5 seconds back on the clock? Because why the fuck not? That's and why. It's game, you know, that happens all the time. They correct it. It's just, here's the thing about it in this case. You were down to 0.4 seconds on the, on the clock. They put the 0.5, so you ended up with 0.9 seconds, which, and go into a face-off after a um, uh, icing, after, uh, after um, uh, Tori Krug iced the puck. So it goes to the face-off, and you think 0.9 seconds is not enough time for things to happen. And then things happened. And then it's not. It isn't, and, and ultimately it wasn't actually enough time for things to happen. Because there was another fuck-up on the whole clock business there. Clock didn't start again when the puck hit the ice. It started after after Kopitar had won the faceoff and passed it to Toffoli. And Toffoli's stick made contact with the puck on his shot, which went in. Yes. As a result, they scored with still 0.4 seconds left on the clock. Right. And that 0.5 that never existed. Because it A, didn't get timed, and B, got added back on the clock. I vividly remembered seeing at the after the goal was scored that there was 0.4 left on the clock. Now, Jeff, would you like to tell people where they can see this? Do, do is there a place where they can see this uh, footage? Dan Ryan, so that's at Bruins Hockey now. I think last night tweeted a, a, a gif of the uh, showing the clock, showing when the clock actually started on the game clock relative to the shot. Now, like I said, I remembered seeing the broadcast again last night because I didn't see the original, but I did see the replay. And it did say 0.4 after the goal went in. It was fast, but not that fast. Right. <laughs> it was not a half second fast. It was like it might have gone in on time anyway, but it did not take only only half a second to get a goal. So were the, were the Bruins robbed on that? It feels like shit. I think so. That game should have gone to gone to a shootout. I don't think we would have lost the shootout. That's not really germane to the question. It's just a matter of like, no, I think I think we got robbed of that of that coin flip. Okay, yeah, because my thoughts on the game when we went into it, I thought I think the Bruins are probably going to lose this. So I I was of mixed emotions because at the end it's like, well, we got one point, which is more than I expected, but we got one point in the worst way possible. Well, exactly. Yeah. And, I, and, and the Bruins didn't deserve to win that game, but neither did the Kings. Um, so ultimately, that's that's the kind of game that that's why we have the shootout, right? 
And so not failing to meet the shootout under those terms just feels shitty because it's like, okay, so the Kings cut a lucky break here. They did nothing to deserve this lucky break. It should have gone to the coin, to, to, the, to the shootout just because, well, it can go any, way, any which way at this point. Right. Right. It, it feels like the Bruins went trick-or-treating and they got the trick, not the treat. Uh, yeah, I know. Tell me about it. So the Ty Anderson thing that I wanted to talk about, he had written a piece not long after the Bruins lost. And what had happened was he suggested that after Krug had iced the puck, David Pasternak, instead of being forced to take it cleanly, take the, the face off cleanly, he should have committed two uh, violations and been thrown out and into the box. And since they can't go below three in overtime in this setup, they would be forced to pull a center back onto the ice. So that was that was the thing I wanted to talk about with Titans. So yeah, if they, they do that, then they, you, you roll Bergy back on the ice. Bergy was eating um, uh, Kopitar's lunch at the uh, faceoff dot all game. As he should. Indeed. Which means that Bergy wins the faceoff. Kopitar, presumably Bergy wins the faceoff. Kopitar doesn't get the puck to pass to Toffoli. Buzzer goes, we go to the shootout. Yep. And of course, because while well, I kind of think maybe there should be a rule in a general concept, because a existing penalty doesn't doesn't disqualify someone who's in the box from participating in the shootout. Well, that's not a bad thing for them to consider doing in the future. Right. But they don't right now, which means Pasternak would have still been eligible for the, available for the shootout. Right. <sighs> Shoulda, woulda, coulda. I hate that. But that's that's what uh, Anderson had written, and I'd never thought about that before because how up. Op- Plus, deliberately gaming the stupid face-off violation rule, you know, in a way like that, in a way that's that blatant, might get the league to actually reconsider. Maybe, hmm, maybe this was not a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 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 And he thinks that Cassidy should file this away in his brain as something that he should do in the future if it ever comes up again, and uh, never, ever, ever allow for no centers to be on the ice. <laughs> Yeah. Even in three on three, that's an interesting structure. But I guess the, the matter is, is that there's not very many centers on the playable roster last night besides Berkey that you want on the ice at three on three. Right, and I get that he was probably guessed, but you had enough time to between putting the time back on. Yeah, uh, you know, like you know, the other centers in that game. So back is Corrali and, and and Nash are not guys who won at three on three. No, 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 no. What? You know what? They still would have been better than Pasternak taking the uh, the face off there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So they got to work on that. That's all. That's my point. Th- th- that could have happened. I never thought about it until I read it. Still hurts. Still hurts. It was, it was bullshit, but and whatever. It happened. As I said, it was a weird week for games. There wasn't a lot of them. Both of them were super boring, but there was things. Bad things. Halloweeny things. Stranger things. I just want season three. I've already watched season two. It's been out for two days, Tim. I think you got a bit of a wait for season three. Yeah, you have to wait like a year. Okay. So, uh, listener Russ Hallowell had um, uh, more questions for us this week. He's um, uh, interacting with us us with a a lot more than the rest of you are. Come on, guys. Step up your game. Anyway, so he asked us um, some... 
So how do you think the roster is going to shake out as guys like Achari and Krejci come back from industry, injury? He's really been a fan of uh, Heinen and uh, Magostino. Um, and so what happens? Um, you know, uh, the, Bruin, the Bruins been leery about waving uh, Frank Vetrano, but what are they going to do? And would he clear? And then last, he also asked what we think's wrong with Tori Krug. He's, uh, he's, he's, he's been rough. And that is absolutely right. Tori Krug has not been playing well of late. Tori Krug came back too early. Yeah, my simple answer is he's got a fucking broken jaw. Sam Gagne had a had a broken jaw a few years ago, and he was out for like a solid six weeks. I think it happened in like preseason, so he missed a few weeks of the pre of the actual season. I think that Krug forced himself back too early. I I, I agree. I think uh, we just got to wait it out with Krug. That's kind of playing, but that's kind of Krug's mo though. Didn't I feel like he did the same thing last year? Coming back, you know, Krug had a gangbuster fucking season last year, right? Though so. It started a little slow, but it took off like it. it took off like crazy later, and it was when before the coaching change. No, it absolutely took off. I just feel like I wouldn't be surprised to see a similar thing this year. Just seems like he kind of comes back too early from injury, and then takes a little bit to kind of get his skates under him. And once he does, oh, and plus he's playing with the master shredder mask there, and that's uh, gonna throw off your play because you're not even used only with you know half, with the half shield. Granted, he played college hockey, so he did a lot of playing with a full cage too. So, have you ever had chicken breast liquefied through a straw? Ew. No. Okay. I'm just saying that he is not eating his normal diet. And as much as you can get protein supplements and whatever through straws and stuff, that's basically what he's doing. He's eating gross things through <laughs> straws. You you just, you lose a little bit of weight. You just don't eat the normal things because you can't. Well, said, he's playing with gear he's not used to. He's probably pretty being pretty tentative because he doesn't want to get, you know, cracked in the face again. Yeah, I mean, look, I called him out in the, the abs game because, well, he was on the ice and he was playing like crap, and then he scored. And I thought, maybe I should just make this my thing. Like, I'll call him out for playing like crap, and then he'll score. <laughs> and I will say, it's not just, he, his decision-making's been off, too, right? I mean, his yesterday, yeah, his, the yesterday, that ice, he was... Tory, it was Krug that iced the puck in late in, in, in overtime that led to that face that led to that face off that led to the phantom goal. Yes, yes, it was that that sucked. But uh, Krug is a good player. Krug will be better. It's just he's yeah, he's, he's he's playing hurt. Fortunately, it's a thing that'll as it gets better and he gets back to a normal diet, it'll should come back quickly. It's not like a knee or a hip injury. No, he'll be he'll be fine. You know what? You you have to allow a little bit of leeway for people coming back from injury to get back into the rhythm of things and you know what it's gonna take him a little bit of time so i'm not i'm not so worried about tory krug as much i'm worried about getting crazy back yes and that is the the other part of, of russ's uh, question it's about when crazy when when, when Krejci and achari come back now i'll point out these asking with the two of them partly because they're close he didn't ask about two other individuals in the ir which i'll circle back to in a bit oh okay um so Sticking within, strictly within the paradigm of the question, it's like, okay, what do you think the, the roster looks like? I'm like, my, my first response is, there isn't a place on this roster anymore for either Vitrano or Bolesky. Furthermore, I am, Vitrano would probably clear. There's no reason, there's no reason for someone to claim Frank Vitrano. I'm quite certain Vitrano would clear, and if not, you know what? I hope he succeeds if he, if he didn't. But, and here's the thing about it, though. So I did a little roster sketch up with this. Ultimately, even when those two come back, we don't need to wave Vitrano yet. Based on who's here now, um, and I've assumed that Sean Corrali goes to 
Providence because with his recent play, I can't imagine he doesn't and he, and he doesn't have to go through waivers. So yeah, I figure we look at a roster that's, um, of course, you know, uh, uh, 63-37 Bjork, obviously. And then when I say names, it's because I don't remember their numbers off the top of my head. Yeah. Yeah. Um, second line, of course, of um, uh, of uh, 46 centering DeBrusque and 88. <laughs> By yes. the way, Bjork is 10, and that would be the 110% line. Boom. Oh, we've been working on this. You got it. Nicely done. <laughs> I actually didn't work on it at all. I just remembered that his number was 10. Well, we've come. We've discussed not having a name for that line before. And here it's a 110% line, dude. I, I believe, I thought Bam won that. No, oh. we're going to bam Bam up against the 110% line. And Bam will win. The no, other alternative because... was, well, no, no, Bam didn't win. APB won. Oh, wait, no. The show I wasn't on was when Bam won, but then I brought dropped APB in the next episode. All right, all right. <laughs> we're going to put all three of them together this week. We're going to put them out there, right? No campaigning, right? We're not going to attach names to it, but listeners, seriously, you like me, right? Do you, do you like me? What the me? fuck is that? You just you said no campaigning. <laughs> they never go with my choice. <laughs> I'd say they like me, but they're probably sick of the Buccaneers talk by now, so. Uh, the 110 the 110% line, the APB line, or BAM? That's our question this week. I'm bam! There's a good oh. chance I don't vote for my own name, for my own submission. We're now, not because... allowed to vote. Okay. Neither of the three of us are allowed to vote. Anyways. I was voting for mine anyway, so. I didn't vote for any of the other ones. Four, I don't think. Anyway. I don't okay. think I did either. Anyway, so, okay, second line, same thing. is from, from preseason, so that's Krejci centering DeBrusque and Pasternak. It's the third, and then fourth line with Achari back is going to Nash centering Schaller and Achari. Those, those those three lines, no contest, right? It's the third line's the question, right? Um, I agree with um, with our listener here that um, obviously, especially Heinen, he's got to stick around. I'm less hot on Agostino than others are. Mm-hmm. He hasn't impressed me. However... However, he has been um, better than Vitrano or Bolesky. <laughs> so in this scenario, and again, we're talking just when Krejci and Achari come back, we're thinking a third line probably of um, Bacchus centering Heinen and Agostino. Really? That's very interesting. I don't like, ba- I don't like Bacchus as a center, but I don't think Nash or Corrali is really up to the challenge of being a, third, a 3C. Okay. They've shown that they're not, both of them. And honestly, I'd rather have Nash on the fourth line with because that fourth line's extraordinary. Yeah, don't don't screw with that. Um, so in this scenario, I have Bolesky and Vitrano as healthy scratches. I have Brown, Vitrano in, bra- in brackets on my death chart because you could wave him, but you know you don't need to yet. Defense is what we've been seeing plus a as undefined seven D. Now, importantly, this is with Spooner and McQuaid still on IR. Honestly, it's Spooner return, and, and the structure I have right now. So this is um, uh, you know, tw- what I've written down here is 21 without Vitrano, so 22 roster, 22 man roster with that with Vitrano. This is again assuming I've sent Corrali down, which you didn't need to if you only have a 22 man roster at this point. Oh no, that would be 23. Spooner comes back, someone has to go down. Yep. Either you send down, uh, Cor- either you send down uh, Corrali or you wave Vitrano at that point. Rally hasn't been great, but um, he's been better than Vitrano. But you're still not carrying a seventh defenseman, which is not really a great call. And it's interesting that we're even going on this road trip without carrying a seventh, seventh defenseman. But again, the reasoning is if they call up anyone from Providence, they're going to want to play them, and then you know they're not going to want them to sit up in the up in the rafters, right? So um, yeah, it means that you either sit Postma or play him. Yeah, you either sit Postma or you call up a, a, a prospect and don't play them. 
I, I hate to say it, it's almost easier to wait until you have the need and then call them up. Yeah, but sometimes you don't have as much warning as you'd want, right? Someone gets hurt during morning skate and you're, you know, in Winnipeg. Fuck you. Yeah, exactly. Can you really get someone from Providence that in time? Probably not. Well, I'm pretty sure that if they were out in, like, I don't know, BC or out on the West Coast uh, yes. road trip, they, they would probably call somebody up ahead of time. Yeah, you're right. That. And this and the road trip this week is, is, pretty, is pretty good. It's just going to say this one's fine. Yeah. Um, if it was even a multiple game field road trip, like, say, next week, well, I guess Rags and then Toronto is not even that big a deal. You can get to the, both of those from, uh, from Providence pretty fast, too. But, um... Yeah, within an hour if you fly them. So yeah. So any okay. So I guess that's right now. It's not a big deal. Two weeks out, we got our West Coast. We got the West, the California trip. Why is that happening now? It usually happens in March. But anyway. Anyway, besides the point. So, um, so you're not carrying a seventh defenseman in this scenario, but um, until Spooner returns, we don't need to send anyone down. When Spooner does, at that point, either Corrali or Vitrano has to have been sent down. You're still not carrying a seventh defenseman. So, my in my view, if we're going to carry a seventh D at some point, you have to wave Vitrano and send down Corrali between now and Spooner's return. Never mind what happens when McQuaid comes back in January. And incidentally, when Spooner comes back, my third line is then Spooner centering Bacchus and Heinen. Right. Heinen can play both. I mean... So Agostino gets the, um, uh, get, get, gets, goes to the ninth floor or back to Providence. Um, well, I mean, Agostino at that point really has to prove himself. Exactly. Right? He's, he's found also, money, so if they wave him, he gets picked it up. It happened. Big deal, right? <laughs> also, Technically, Vitrano has also found money, which is why I'm not too worried if we were to lose him on waivers. Right. Because he was not a draft pick. He was an undrafted free agent. So anything production we've gotten out of this date is all it's all gravy. Right, right. The same thing could be said for Achari, but you've sent Char- Achari to a bigger contract than that. So, but anyway, I don't want to talk about that because I like Achari a lot. Petrano has a lot to prove um, because he's, we're going on a second season of this like, bleh, play. Yeah, I know. And I, I, you know what? Here's the thing about it is, is he is a fun player to watch. He is a shot machine. He still is a shot machine. But there, I don't like this argument because a lot of anti-advanced stats people make it. But it's, in this case, entirely apt. He is generating a lot of shots, and they're going everywhere but the fucking net. Yep, yeah. Um, and since that's all he's really good at doing is, like, taking shots? Um, if his accuracy is not there, which it clearly isn't. What is he, he doing? Exactly. <laughs> like, like, he has, he clearly has talent, at least in terms of his ability to get off that. Just remember, it takes a lot of talent to be in a position to shoot that off. Yep. If he's, I mean, with the volume he shoots, I, I this is all, this is, is obvious, deliberately hyperbolic, but the volume he shoots, if his accuracy went up, he would compare favorably with, you know, favorably, not as in like directly, but favorably with guys like Ovechkin and Line who shoot quite a bit and shoot very well. Right. Who also don't do a lot else on the ice, <laughs> but he doesn't do, but he doesn't shoot as well as they do. I will say this one thing. I like to root for the guy who wasn't drafted and the guy who has to prove himself. The lunch pail guys, right? The I guy think... who worked so hard to become who they, dra- they signed him and then he completely changed his body over that summer. Right. I like to work <laughs> I like to root for guys like that, but you have to show me more than one season or more than like a season and a half. Yeah. You know what I mean? You have to you have to show me like consistently that you're growing and improving your game. And right now, I don't feel that confident about the Toronto. Truth is, Vitrano was always stopgap. Yeah, he was always, you know, you know. I mean, it, it's 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 great that he did as much as he did, even did do. Um, but you know, I mean, I think he might have been one of the last. I think he was a. I, he, I think he was actually a, um, a Chia signing. Last thing Chia actually did. 
Right. But, um, you know, I think my, my feeling is from the perspective of Don Sweeney, he was always there to be the young, you know, the young player that makes the team but isn't there when the, uh, when the, real, when the important young guys make it through. Rebuilding teams always go through this. The, pro- the existing prospects when they start are gone before the, before the important ones make, a, uh, make the scene. Right. And hopefully they've done well enough that they can go on to another club and build up from there or something. Right? I, I worry for I worry for Franco here that uh, he hasn't done that. Same. I don't feel like he's taken any steps forward since his injury. And it's too bad because it looked like going into that year that before the injury that, you know, he could really have something and boom. Yeah. Like cut up under him now mind you the rest of there's still another glaring problem with this roster i put together is there's the blesky uh, sized gorilla in the room it doesn't sound like we're going to be able to get rid of him i can't i I don't know how we could we're not going to be able to trade him and we're not going to be able to put him down in providence this is a problem and i don't particularly like prospect of buying him out after the season but i really can't imagine how they don't unless that how they don't we'll cross that bridge in june i guess but you also brought up an interesting point when McQuaid comes back. He comes, he's supposed to come back in January. I think that he may come back within enough time to kind of show that he's healthy, and then you can trade him right before the deadline. You can trade McQuaid? Yeah. So my, my Edmonton thing could become real? I think so. You know, Edmonton could use a defenseman. <laughs> I mean... You said that that prediction was bold, and I think it really was bold. You said you would like that prediction. I'm just saying, I, it just... I don't know. He's a Chia kind of guy. Yes. I like Adam McQuaid. I want to just say that out loud. I like Adam McQuaid. I think there's just some something kind of funny about him. I hate the delay of games. And last night, Postma filling in for him got a delay of game or somebody got a delay of game for him. And it was like, oh, great. And I, I don't miss that aspect of his game. I, I like how he stands up for his fellow players and stuff, but I understand his defensive liabilities. The, my feelings towards Adam McQuaid are very complex. I mean, I understand you just because I think that I, I like him a lot as well. I absolutely do. I just don't think he has a place on this t- team really beyond this year. And, you know, I mean, that's unfortunately there's a lot of bodies with term that that fits the description. Like, I know you guys are both huge David Backus fans, and I am not the most critical of him. Um, and I know he's, he's still probably not okay, but fuck, that contract is looking not good right now. I'm honestly surprised he's playing right now. I mean, yes. Yes, I agree. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm increasingly concerned, that's all. And I'm not going to be, you know, the assholes pretending like David Bax is the worst thing to ever happened to this team or what have you, but... Well, nobody could predict the fact that his body would fail him in, in such a way that it is. I mean, yes, I get it. He's over 30. He's like, what, 33, 34. I understand that. I but being think... a 33-year-old hockey player has nothing to do with diverticulitis. No. No, or uh, last year it was the bursitis and, you know, and then he had the couple of concussions and, you know, it's like that isn't, I mean, the actual medical problems that have happened to him have sucked. Yeah. But none of them are high mileage, rough, um, rough and tumble style hockey player problems. No. no. If they were shoulder if they were shoulder, shoulder and knee injuries or back injuries. He came back a lot sooner than I thought he would come back. Okay. Because with that. Considering he was in the hospital on fluids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I admire him for coming back, but I kind of wish that he were still out. But th- you know what? I don't know if this team could afford having him out. Even. Now with Krejci doing. Krejci and Spooner down, how on earth could this team possibly afford to have him out now? With him being <laughs> half the player that he should be, it's like, ugh, I feel for David Backus. I understand the contract thing. I don't understand the irrational hate for him. 
Well, and that's that's why I'm trying to frame this, right? Like, I have some serious concerns long term about Dacus being on this team three three years after this season. I feel but for it's the contract is document. What else is going to go wrong with him? I feel bad for him when he retires. I mean, what is his like? What is his um, actual quality of life going to be be beyond hockey? Just because with the injuries, the the kind of injuries that are pile, piling up diverticulitis, concussions, head problems. I mean, he could really get into some serious injury and serious hurt young, young. Well, you know, diverticulosis is a chronic thing that happens over the course of your life, and you can alter your diet so that you don't inflame it. So that's and if it's bad, there are things that can be done to make it go away, but they're rather invasive surgeries, correct? Yes. Yeah, I think removing yes. part of the intestine. Yeah, look, I get it. I get it. That. It doesn't look good. And honestly, a buyout with that contract would be horrible. Oh, we're at least two seasons out before the team even entertains the idea, I think. At least. Just like, uh, I, I, I don't even really think the team would entertain a Bolesky buyout after the season. Um, unless they can't find any way to take him, even with retained salary. <laughs> he has two years left on the contract after this, right? Yes. And what is it, like three and a half? Three eight is his salary, I believe, and give me a moment. I checked it earlier today, but I just want to make sure before I speak. He makes four million this season, four million next season, and three the last season. Okay. With a cap hit three point eight. Honestly, I think they could probably move him at the end of this year if they retained two. Priorities get him off the roster. And honestly, retaining two is small enough where it wouldn't like strap you too badly in terms of being in cap hell. Well, that's just it, and I think it's shorter and generally better than buying that would be. Give me half a second on that as well. Okay, so two million would be more than his cap hit each of the two years. Um, so if they bought him out this year, he would actually only have a cap hit under a million on the first year of the buyout, but it would be just under two million the second year, and then one point one six the two remaining years. Very, very similar to the side and buyout. So not desirable. No, not even a little bit. So we have to luch him, huh? Yeah. I think so, and it would be a more substantial percentage retention, I think, than it was for Luch, because, well, Luch was a much more desirable player. Than and, I mean, retaining $2 million is over 50% a year. That makes him one8 for the team that picks him up. That's... All right. Are we done? No, no. Are, are we done with the, the roster thing? Can we move on to... I, yes, yes. So it is Halloween. Mm-hmm. It is Halloween. <laughs> and we thought we might do a theme, a variation on that. Now, basically, I will just preface this by saying I happened to notice what Puck Soup was going to do on, like, Tuesday or Wednesday, and I was pissed off. Get out of my head, Wyshynski. Get out of my head. Yeah, and I had discussed this um, uh, the night before, and then, boom, it was not cool. It's not the first time. It's not the first time that we've uh, had an idea and that Wishkinsy has come in and taken it. Uh, I mean, we, it just means that we and Wish could probably be great friends. We probably could be. I mean, I don't. I, I don't agree with him on a lot of the Star Wars things because after a while, I get a little tired of them. I'm kind of side with Lozo after a while, but but I think we'd all get along pretty well. Okay, so we were thinking about what the various Bruins would be dressed as with costumes based on their play and what kind of treats we would give them based on their play, obviously. You know, I have one right off the bat. Please, please, please let me do it. This is the one I was going to surprise you with. Okay. Please proceed. Okay, okay. I think that Brad should be the Count. 
Let me count how many goals I have. Ah, ah, ah. One. One short-handed goal. Ah, ah, ah. Two. Two beautiful goals. Ah, ah, ah. And you can go on through seven. I, mean, I was afraid you were. I was afraid you were going to do the moms. Like, please no. <laughs> yes. Yes. So blah blah blah. Skip forward. Seven. Seven gorgeous goals on this season. Ah 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 ah. He's count. He's got all the goals. He's got the nose for it too. If you've noticed. This is true. This is true. Just paint him purple or lavender and put a little wig on him. Make his ears elongate and put cape on him. He's the count. Yes. And I. And I'd give him full-size, full-size candy bars, whatever he wants. Milky Ways, yes, yes, Milky Ways are good. So the first one I came up with when Vienna first talked about this was was um, Matt Bolesky. Oh. I'm being harsh on poor Matt here, but it's true. Um, he'd be the Charlie Brown go- uh, um, ghost from Mr. Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, and he would, in fact, get a rock. Oh, poor oh. Matt Bolesky. Oh, so mean. Am I wrong, though? No, you're not wrong, but you are mean. <laughs> My other one, and I'm rather proud of this one, David Posternock would be the, the back half of a, of a two-man horse costume, only to find out that, that David Krejci had not decided not to come as the front half. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine him with the suspenders on. Right? Because he's right? such a and he's, fucker. Like, and he's like, I don't know what happened to the top half, but I'm David Posternock and I'd like to wear skates. <laughs> <laughs> but, but at least silver linings, he would get like an entire bag of um, uh, Reese's peanut butter cups. Oh my God. That is so funny. And it's so apt because of David Krejci not being there right now <laughs> that's good tim so yeah this is pretty fantastic so i kind of came up with a uh a group costume oh <laughs> and it kind of was inspired by uh the second season of stranger things i knew it was going here okay so it's a little bit inspired by that. Spoiler, so, spoiler alerts then? <laughs> kind of, a little bit-ish. Okay, please proceed. So we have Pasta, we have Charlie McAvoy, we have Jake DeBrusque, and we have Anders Bjork as the Ghostbusters. And Pasta forgot which Ghostbuster he was supposed to be. <laughs> so he shows up as the same one as Anders Bjork. <laughs> <laughs> now see if i were going to dress them up as the as the ghostbusters i would totally make david posternock dan Aykroyd's character yes. yes yes because honestly that would fit him but i could see him wanting to be like he would eat yeah yeah he would totally but, but, but mcavoy's clearly a bankman here i think <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I, I feel it's it's debrusque who would be uh would be would be egon yep 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 that's what i was thinking so Bjork um, is apparently um, it is is apparently Winston then by by process of elimination. He is Winston. So I guess that makes Danton Heinrich Moranis. It does. <laughs> <laughs> I I I thought I saw the episode of Stranger Things where they all 
dress up as the three as the Ghostbusters, and when two of them dress up as the same Ghostbuster, I was just like, oh my god, they dressed up as the same one. Now you know we do have uh, someone who is a hockey vampire. Mm-hmm. One Anderson Bjork, Anders to his friend. See, on the other hand, because his last name is Bjork, you think he would just wear that swan dress and call it a day. It would be so great, but the truth is, the he's hockey a- player, he's not going to do something that interesting. <laughs> right, and he's a hockey vampire, so obviously he's a vampire. Like, I had a vampire theme, apparently. And I had to think about which vampire he was going to be. He's definitely not a Bella Lugosi kind of vampire. No, no, no. He is not the vampire Lestat. Um, or maybe, maybe maybe Grandpa Munster? No, he's not Grandpa Munster because he's Edward from Twilight. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 Yes. Yes, he is. Oh, that's the worst kind of vampire. I'm not saying it was the best one. Trust me, all the other ones are way more interesting, but that's what he's going to play up to. The girls so I don't, have a, I don't have an idea for this next one, but what do you guys think is the perfect Halloween costume? For me or for people? Writ large, because obviously I think it's pretty clear where I'm going with this one, at least for who. You know what What I would do with Bergy? I would make him one of those like, swashbuckling like actors from the 20s. So he's... Like Douglas Zorro? Fairbanks or, or <laughs> Rudolph Valentino. That's what I would do with him. And make him look like a swashbuckling adventurer. It's not no, much I mean, of a costume. It's like it's just what I want Bergy to look like all the time. I mean to me psych- the best kind of insights into into to VA psyche there. <laughs> to me the best kind of costume is punny. It's gotta be something punny. You gotta have it. The serial killer being in a giant cereal box with knives in it. Ah, there's one that I, that's being a ceiling fan, but having like ghost ceiling on your <laughs> shirt. There's plenty that like that that I've thought about extensively. I thought of one identity theft. Dress, dress up as a burglar and have a bunch of different names on you. I that mean, was not good. You know what I really like? <laughs> I really like three hole punch gym. Three hole punch gym is perfect. <laughs> so, so you know what you know what you know what Chara's costume is. Chara has gone shown to the Bruins Halloween party. Um, he's, he's going. He went as, as, as Alex Delarge from from uh, Clockwork Orange, mostly because it's kind of hilarious that a man that's twelve feet tall wearing it wear, wearing a cod piece at everyone else's eye level it just makes everyone really uncomfortable. Chara <laughs> after dark. Why does it always come back to Chara's dick? <laughs> Because it is not a carrot. <laughs> no, it's carrot more dick! of an eggplant. <laughs> it is a literal eggplant emoji. Uh. <laughs> oh, no. At least you hope for the sake of him it is. By the way, I figured out Tim Schaller. Tim Schaller just goes as one of the Timmy heads. I mean, if he's not going to be a doctor or a scientist, then yes. He should be a doctor, though. He should just have a lab coat and a stethoscope. Dr. But the notion of someone going to a Halloween party just wearing a gigantic um, head of their own head is kind of hilarious. That is pretty good. It is funny, but what candy would you give him? Cookies and cream. Hershey's. Why? Because they're really good, and I like Tim Schaller, so I'd give him my favorite candy. I don't know if I'd give him candy. Maybe I'd just give him Dr. Pepper or something. Oh, no! You know what you give him if he's dressed up as a doctor? Candy apple. Doctor, an apple a day keeps a doctor away. Oh! Candy apple. Oh, that's right. Although I never think of candy apples ever. So, I think what's important here to know is because we like the Bruins, none of them get Necco wafers. 
Oh, yes. God. Why would anybody... However, all of the haves get all of the Necro wafers. You know what I call them? I call them Necro wafers. Yeah, they do right. taste like death. They do kind of taste like death. They taste stale. They don't have a real flavor. It's like I think they only manufactured them once, and it was in the 1920s. And they're I... just still, you know, selling off stock. I agree with you. Let's That's what out. it is. They, they taste like ghosts of a candy. <laughs> <laughs> okay super. yeah if you were going to make like um any of the players on the Bruins a superhero who would you make I mean I'd have to just because I'd have to go Brad just because he just scores some outstanding goals and he's just a hero it'd have to be Brad or Bergie Bergie Although people call him Bergeron. It, it, I don't know. It it's Bergeron, not Bergeron. It is Bergeron. It's actually... Bergeron. It is, is actually technically, and I'm going to get this wrong, Bergeron, but... It, yeah, it, it's not Bergeron. It's Bergeron. But Bergeron sounds yeah. wrong. It sounds... Yeah. It, sounds not... it's, it sounds wrong. It sounds wrong. Bergeron sounds all kinds of wrong. Yeah. Um... Also, I think if we're going to make them superheroes, I'm pretty sure Ryan Spooner would be the tick because, um... <laughs> yes! <laughs> Absolutely! <laughs> Ryan Spooner would be the tick. Hands down, yes. <laughs> Side note, I actually liked that on Amazon Prime Video. They made, a, they made a series, and it was only six episodes, but it was good. I mean, it's only, it's only a few times they've done series there because, uh, you know, I hope they brought back Putty to, to do it again. No, he's an executive director. I mean, a producer. Yeah, um, no, it's uh, Peter Serafinowicz as the tick. I like Peter Serafinowicz. Sar- yeah, he does pretty well with it. I like Peter Serafinowicz. Um, don't know who that is. Okay, uh, um, did you ever see Shaun of the Dead? Mm-hmm. He is their friend who became a zombie. Their roommate who's a zombie, Todd. Okay. Um, he is also, did you ever see Black Books? No. Oh, oh, you should see Black Books. But anyway, he is the voice of the um, shipping report. He's got a very sexy, smooth voice if he wants to have it. It's very deep. Uh, oh, oh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, he was the um, Zandarian who um, was like, um, not Prime, but he was the uh, the lead Zandarian fighter guy. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, he dies. So. Yeah. Spoiler alert, he dies. <laughs> I've not seen it. Spoiler alert for a movie that came out in 2014. Um. Yeah, it came out a while ago, so if you haven't seen it, it's not on us. Um, yeah, so he died in that one, but uh, yeah, he's in... Also, if you haven't seen it, you probably can't be friends. I haven't seen it. Damn. I mean, this is kind of my shtick, though. I haven't <laughs> seen Star Wars. Is it really surprising that I haven't seen Guardians of the Galaxy? It's not Damn, even related. It's, it's, you would enjoy Tim, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, it's actually right up your fucking alley, Tim. You would love it. It's just so it's funny and absurd in some ways, and, you and would goofy probably... and colorful and everything that movies should be. And this is why I'm like, I am so fucking excited for Thor Ragnarok. Oh my god, we're going on Friday! Ah! <laughs> Movie looks like so much fucking fun, and and Goldblum. <laughs> he just broke the A. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I already told Glenn. I'm like, it's eight o'clock. We're having a date night. You're taking me out to dinner. All that stuff. And we can sit in recliners, watch a movie, and have drinks. Huh. I just don't know. No, you know what, Tim? Okay, this is this is your assignment for the week. Oh gosh. Watch Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, I'm sure I can. It is two and a half hours of fun. It doesn't feel like two and a half hours. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah. It is just, it's like, you don't have to think too hard. It's not like morally ambiguous. It's like. It barely has anything to do with any of this, uh, any of the rest of the the Marvel Extended Universe, Cinematic Universe. It just stands alone and it's great. And it's the point where I've talked about, I think, previously on the show where I don't. I don't like the idea of the shoehorning them into uh, uh, Infinity War, but uh, well, it's going to happen. It's going to happen, and I'm I'm curious to see how it's going to be done. And I don't think it's going to be done poorly, but I just don't know how it's going to work out yet. I like them better operating completely independently from the Avengers, though. Just just, just they're just great movies as is. They don't need to be part of this. It, it, it's just it's so fun. It really is. It's um, there's. There's not too many words that I'm going to throw on here other than fun. You will enjoy it. It's, you know, uh, the second movie is, well, you have to see the first movie before you see the second movie. The second movie was... Also extremely fun. It was. It was. But it was a little more tense in some ways. Yes. Yeah. But Kurt Russell's in that one. Kurt motherfucking Russell. He's glorious. Son. I mean, not son. Father of former hockey player... Wyatt Russell, who was in Goon, too, last in the Enforcers. And, I play know, for Team USA. It's what? true. Kurt, Kurt was the coach for a miracle as well. So. Right. So <laughs> he's, yeah. Well, he and Goldie Hawn moved to British Columbia so that Riot, uh, Riot, Wyatt could play. Riot Russell would be a great real name. Wyatt Russell. And it would be, be a very WHL name as well. Have you ever seen those draft, those draft lists? They're terrible. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, so your assignment this week, Tim, um, is to see, or in the next week, you, to see Guardians of the Galaxy. It is fun. Um, it, I promise you, if you think it's going to be like Star Warsy, it is not anything like it. Not, a, not even close. It's just fun. Sometimes, you know, especially with superhero movies, you don't want to necessarily think too hard about it. You just want to go, I like this. So. Okay, so yeah, I think we've... Uh... Finished the Halloween things. Yeah, it didn't go as spectacularly as I wanted to, but... Uh... Oh, well, we're just going to go with it. Woo! Yeah. I had fun. Yep, I think it's probably time for sexy schedule reading. Oh, well, I was tempted. I was thinking about maybe doing... Uh, trying to do a spooky schedule reading. A little. I do to try... I was going to... I kind of wanted to try a Vincent Price, but I don't think I can pull it off. Oh, it would be great as if you could do a spooky and sexy one at the same time. That's why I was thinking Vincent Price, but uh <laughs> If you want, I'll just go Ooh, into the background. Spooky. <laughs> <laughs> spooky. Well, listeners, this week Bruins start out the week in Columbus. Spooky. Spooky Columbus. And their goalie, <laughs> Sergei Bubrovsky. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Sergei Bubrovsky. That's at 7 p.m. on Nesson. <laughs> Ooh, spooky. 
And then on Thursday, they come home, and it's Vegas in Boston. I can't do it. I'm not now. I'm Vegas, baby. <laughs> no, it's the second. It's the second. It's not spooky. <laughs> <laughs> And then, on Saturday, November 4th, Ooh. at Washington Capitals. All right, I got something to say about that. Ovechkin, you better not pound my boy into the boards again and give him a fucking concussion or I will fucking end you. Hear that, Ovi? VA will fuck up your shit. Oh, bam! <laughs> Ooh, spooky! <laughs> I will beat your shit. <laughs> she will beat the ghost right out of you. That's right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Spooky. I'm, I'm honestly just having Christmas episode flashbacks throughout this entire thing. <laughs> oh man, I don't have the chains in this room. I should go get them. <laughs> and now I realize what that must sound like. <laughs> oh, spooky! <laughs> <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, this episode should be called Spooky Carrot Dick. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Spooky Carrot Dick. <laughs> or, or, Chains and Spooky Carrot Dick. <laughs> you know, the chain was featured prominently in... Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And um, that was glorious. It was. It really was. The it first was. time I had I, that, that first trailer when it dropped with the chain playing, but. Like, uh, it's my favorite. The only, thing that, the only trailer that's ever got me more, got, got me even more than that was, you know, well, the, the first um, Thor Ragnarok trailer with the, with the, with the Zeppelin. And then, mm. and then closing out with, boom, Goldblum. Goldblum. Of course. Yeah. Uh, the chain is my favorite. Fleetwood Mac song, and then of there course are there are Fleetwood Mac songs. Exactly. <laughs> well, no, I mean, okay, the first episode of The Americans, right? I was not really paying attention to it when Glenn put it on. Uh, he was playing it, and the first like five mu- uh, minutes is "Tusk" by Fleetwood Mac, which yeah, is that's, under- that's a pretty underrated one. One you don't hear very much either. Right, and I was just sitting there, and I just looked at it, and I'm like, "Tusk, really?" He's like, "Yeah, it- they have a really great." If they ever release the soundtrack to the Americans, it's really great. It's just got so many things that you would not expect. But anyway, yes, there are other Fleetwood Mac songs is what I'm trying to say. Um, and occasionally you hear them in pop culture. No, I, mean, I know there's I know there's other Fleetwood Mac songs. I even know names of some of them. But really, my point was that um, there doesn't need to be more Fleetwood Mac songs. The chain it has it covered. Yeah, yeah. It's it pretty much, um, I think it, it, it sums up the band very well. Yes. And it's tension and heartbreak. Anyway. And it has Surrender by Cheap Trick. Oh. In the end credits. So. Yep. Um, now, I know you'll say, there are other Cheap Trick songs. And I mean, I, again, yes, there's there, 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 I Want You to Love Me, Sure, but Surrender is, is, is 
far and away their it's best. Their most portrait. popular one. Yeah, yeah. So, um, it's no Is Dream it? Police. I love Dream Police too. I, yeah, do I, like too. I, love, I love a lot of Dream of Cheap Trick, except for you know. This is I why accept. I like you. Yeah. This is why I like you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. Like even you know like the the. The, 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 that 70s show theme song, which the, the full album version is incredibly long and for no good reason. Nope. It's still good. Nope. The original <laughs> was better than the one they remade, though. Like, they but redid they, it over time, but the original yeah. was better. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they did a good job cutting it for the actual show, but yeah. The, the rest of it, let's do it like, on the, their greatest hits. I'm like, why is this so long? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Chief Trick through, from 1977 through 1982 was pretty solid stuff, in my way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, we're not going to have a podcast about that. We will talk about Bare Necessities. <laughs> okay, Tim, you said they had an excited one. How about you open? <laughs> yes. Well, so... I have been drinking it for much of this podcast. (laughs) Um, you guys know, both listeners and VA and Jeff, that I am willing to try pretty much anything. At least grind it out way longer than you have any business doing so, too. (laughs) I do. I definitely do. So I was perusing my local gas station. (laughs) <laughs> just to see the selection that they had. <laughs> and I, I gotta tell you, this concept is amazing to me because I live in Massachusetts and we don't get that. We don't have that. I've been to many places that have like whole liquor stores and their their gas stations, but especially in Germany, but certain ones in Germany. But anyway, go ahead. Yes. So anyway, um perusing and something caught my eye. Because it's a fl- flavor mix that you don't necessarily think is going to happen. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Can I take a guess? Uh, mint chocolate chip and pomegranate. No. But, but there are there is fruit involved. You, you would not expect that mixture, would you? Quince and pickled herring. Oh! No, <laughs> I wouldn't expect that, but no, it's not that. Okay. All right, why don't you tell us what it is? Also, there is a pun on the bottle so that oh god okay so it's new from mike's hard lemonade (laughs) and it's good old blackberry and pear oh oh but it's the hard stuff which means it's got extra alcohol in it and it says our berries are beyond compare Uh -uh. uh-uh on the bottle so I decided, you know what? It's new. Apparently, it's seasonal, so blackberries and pears are in season. Go get your some at your local store there. And don't, um, don't, don't do that. <laughs> it's actually not as bad as I expected. <laughs> That's a ringing endorsement. Which is scary because, I mean, this is kind of like black velvet. In a way where I could probably convince myself to like it. <laughs> There's just so much there. <laughs> oh man! Okay. Yes. Blackberry and pear lemonade. 
of convincing myself to like things. Or I guess it was you, but I'm going to turn it back on me now because, you know, I don't like to take selfies, but I do like to talk about myself. Anyway, um, I bought a bunch of beer this week because mostly because I had to turn in the deposits and, well, a summer's worth of deposits got me not very much towards a, a new set of beer. But I got two different kinds of things of beer. Wow, that's that's kind of weird. I bought two different brands of beer and one of them was a variety pack. And I drank actually two of those things from the variety pack here today. And we'll enjoy them later on in this week. First of all, the first thing I had, and I was very excited to pick this up because I thought I had missed the window, was the Narragansett. Oh, yes. My Gansett. Gansett Fest Beer. Because it's the end of October and I had to have it. It's a Merton. Uh, it was okay. It's not as good as a lot of... Well, it's not as good as German Merton beers. So, whatever. It's okay. It was bright orange. I kind of liked that. That was funny. Um, and the other thing I bought was a Jack's Abbey variety pack. With the thing that I didn't think I was going to like. The Calyptra IPL. That would be India Pale Lager. Uh, I don't like IPAs, but I like IPLs. And at first, when I started drinking it, I didn't like it at all. And then I got halfway through it, because at that point, I'm like, well, I have to drink it, right? It actually is pretty good. It's not that bad. It was not an IPA. And then I, I drank a, a regular lager from that pack. But listen to the other things in that pack. Um, well, there's the, the regular Haponius whatever um that's an, a regular ipl and that's that's a, a decent ipl and the other one is called smoke and dagger and it's a rauch beer but it, it we we tried it at a um beer fest in worcester a couple of well probably a few weeks ago and it's kind of got this like really smoky thing going on and tastes vaguely of ham <laughs> but it's good and no, it's good. Uh, I, I I can think of ham is not high on the list of things I want a beer to taste like. Well, I mean, it doesn't. It's not like full on ham. Like wham, here's some ham. <laughs> it's like it's just like this very subtle, like the smokiness, like very subtle, like little hammy taste to it. Tim is not impressed. Tim. You pick out things at the uh, at the uh, the local um, gas station that they're puns. Come on, you're just jealous you can't buy it at the gas station. This is what you do. <laughs> I am kind of jealous I can't buy things at the gas station, but exactly. And actually, I see that Cumbies always had a pretty decent selection of decent beer. Actually, at least in New Hampshire. I mean, yeah, they still have a decent selection. I could still get my Jacko Traveler. From the Traveler Beer Company, I could still get my Shipyard, I could still get my Sierra Nevada, but I choose to branch out. I can't get them at gas stations. I, there's like, they sell some beer and wine things at certain little convenience stores, but they don't sell anything interesting. But I go to Julio's out in Westboro. It's like a candy store for adults. That's what it is. It's a candy store for adults because it's got everything you could imagine. And more. And hot sauce, too. Jeff, 
since you were so unimpressed with my selections. Well, you'll be happy here. I just I had only the two PBRs left, and I drank them while, while recording, so I will not be drinking PBR during tomorrow's game. Yay! What will you be drinking? Um, there's still probably about a third bottle of, uh, of the Valentine's that I bought to start the season off with. So, uh... White Russians. You want White Russians? No more gin, huh? I haven't bought gin in a little bit. I might go back, you know. We'll see. I'm gonna finish the I'm gonna finish the hockey scotch and then make a decision from there. <laughs> He's probably gonna pick up lemons instead of limes. <laughs> there was no limes in the grocery store that day, and I already <laughs> bought the gin. <laughs> I was not happy about it either. Thank you very much. <laughs> At least you didn't go with like oranges or something. I mean. I saw I saw a picture of an advertisement in a store, and it's like orange. No, it's like a. It was for lemons. It's like lemons goes great for orange juice. Yeah. I like to point out to the audience that all three of us just tilted our heads to the uh, to the same side. This in reaction to that one. Um. <laughs> no. Huh? I don't understand. Yeah, it didn't work. It didn't work. I was I I sat there and I'm like, but. But, 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 you know. I mean, that's not, how, that, that's not how words work. <laughs> you no. can put lemon in a lot of things. Lemon and Coke is actually not bad. Like, lemons with your Pepsi. But orange soda? No. No, no, it's orange juice. Did I not say that right? You, you, said, you said orange juice. Yeah. Oh, no, did it, you? It, lemons don't belong in orange juice or orange soda. But you said orange soda still. Orange anything. They no. don't. They don't belong in it. So, that's okay. Anyway, all right. Good luck on that gin and tonic with lemons. Hockey <laughs> scotch. And so that's that, that's probably tomorrow. My my guess is I'll have to restock come uh, Thursday against the against Vegas. In your brand new car. Vegas, baby. I mean, like you have to use your new car to go get it. Uh, yes, yes, I would have to drive my car to go acquire alcohol. Oh, what would you have to do to have Vegas in your brand new car? Tim, any thoughts on this? We could put a slot machine in there. Probably need a stripper pole. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, I forgot to tell you that there was a stripper thing in our, our, our hotel, too. We could have seen Fantasy Factory or whatever the fuck it was. It was like, Fantasy Factory. <laughs> So, the important details, though, is there were titties in your hotel, okay? <laughs> and that would need, that would be needed in the car to bring Vegas to your car. <laughs> All right. So, anybody who listens... <laughs> and you want to help turn Jeff's car into Vegas. I mean... We can pimp your car! Tim, <laughs> <laughs> my ride... Barely on top of condition. <laughs> I hear you like stripper poles, so I got a stripper pole for your stripper pole. Stripper pole. Yeah. Fuck you, exhibit. Trip <laughs> <laughs> <Pip> your ride. <laughs> okay. okay. I, I I will play the role of exhibit in barely on topics. Pimp <laughs> my ride. I'm just excited that you got a new car. Why are you going to be excited about it? <laughs> so we wanted to pimp your ride. 
<laughs> if we, and if we pimp your ride... My ride is sufficiently pimped as it is. It is fucking awesome. No, no. But if we pimp <laughs> oh, your Jeff, ride... Oh, come on now. You can if we pimp put your so ride, many rocks the goal <laughs> to the perfect season could be back on. Perfect rest of the season, back on, pimp your ride. Hey, you make oh. a good argument there. I kind of haven't uh, really... Uh... Yeah, I want to talk about that. Jesus, Jeff. Back on! Jeff, how many rocks can you put in your car? <laughs> <laughs> I've got a rock for your rocks rock and your car! <laughs> oh, we can put those rocks that are like, they're not real rocks, but they're speakers. We can put them in his car. <laughs> and we'll have a play drill drilling into it. Like a fake drill drilling into it. Because that's the subtle Vegas. you got to be drilling in your car. Back on the perfect season. <laughs> Does it have proper storage for all your hammers? It will now. Woohoo! We can call him Jeff the Hammer. Blah blah blah. That's that's bound to get some <laughs> some people into that car. <laughs> oh, we're gonna paint the hammer on the side of your car. Exactly. <laughs> That was what I was thinking. I thought that's what you said. No, no flames. No flames. No flames. No flames. We don't want to get crazy here. No flames. Jeff hates us. He took his glasses off. He doesn't want to look at us anymore. Are you dying? Jeff. So, listeners, you can find us on SoundCloud, <laughs> Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play. You can talk to us at, on Twitter at Barely on Topic, or by or on Facebook at Barely on Topic Podcast. Perfect season, <laughs> back on. <laughs> Play us off, Timmy. <laughs> Word.